I am ready. Matahari was not bound and she was not blindfolded. She stood gazing steadfast at her executioners. Each man gazed down his barrel at the breast of the woman who was the target. She did not move a muscle. At the report Matahari fell, she did not die as actors and film stars would have us believe that people die when they are shot. She did not throw up her hands, nor did she plunge straight forward or straight back. Instead, she seemed to collapse. Slowly, inertly, she settled to her knees, her head up always, and without the slightest change of expression on her face. Then she fell backward, bending at the waist, with her legs doubled up beneath her. She lay prone, motionless, with her face turned towards the sky. Welcome by On The Podcast. I'm your host Emma and I'm joined by Lottie, John and Myra. Today we will be telling the story of one of the most mysterious women in Dutch history. I'm of course talking about Matahari. You may already know her as the exotic dancer that turned a spy, but who was she really? Was she guilty of her crimes of espionage or was she just a victim of the patriarchy? And can we now consider her as a feminist figure? better to tell the story of Matahari than the woman herself. I was born Margarete Getraude Zelle in Leeuwarden, the Netherlands, in 1876. I didn't have the best start to life. My father abandoned our family when I was 13 years old, and my mother died two years later. But my story really begins at age 18, when I replied to a newspaper advertisement by a Dutch army captain seeking a wife. I wanted a way out of the Netherlands and a better life, so I married Rudolf MacLeod and we moved to the Dutch East Indies. Unfortunately, it wasn't the life I had imagined. My husband, with whom I shared two children, was an abusive adulterer, and as a result of his affairs, our children were born with syphilis. Sadly, our son passed away. Despite returning to the Netherlands as a divorced single mother, I refused to live a life of disadvantage. Therefore, inspired by my experiences in the Dutch East Indies, I began a career as an exotic dancer. I became Matahari. I performed Indonesian-inspired exotic dances in shows and theatres around the world. Men adored me. Crowds flocked to see me. It cut to Farrell and Mainfuta. I had the world at my feet. Just as Matahari's career was at its height, the world around her was about to change drastically. On July 28, 1914, World War I broke out in Europe. 
Matahari was a citizen of the Netherlands, so she had the benefit of a neutral passport, allowing her to travel unrestricted during the war. Her ability to speak five languages fluently and her power of seduction would make her a desirable asset for any country in need of a spy. When the war broke out, I was approached by Karl Kruner, an agent for the Kaiser Secret Service, and I was asked to spy for the Germans. I declined the offer, but accepted the 20,000 francs. After all, they did steal my best furs and jewellery. In 1916, I returned to Paris, and my life started to get better. I fell in love. Vladimir de Masloff, a Russian captain, proposed to me before he was called to the Western Front. I wanted to be as close to him as possible, so I applied for a permit to visit the war zone. A meeting was arranged for me with Captain Georges Ledoux, head of the French counter-espionage, who placed an offer on the table. I was to become a spy for the French, seducing high-ranking German targets to capture military secrets. In exchange, Ledoux would give me the safe conduct I needed to visit Vladimir, as well as a nice one million francs to secure our future life together. But a few days later, I noticed that I was being watched. Captain Ledoux and his men wanted to collect evidence on my spying for the Germans. At this point, Matahari was not only of suspicion to the Germans and the French, also to the British. In November 1916, she was taken into custody whilst travelling on British waters. She was suspected of being German secret agent Clara Benedicts. In order to prove her innocence, Matahari had to admit to her role as a French agent. This was the start of her downfall. The rising suspicion around Matahari eventually amounted to her arrest by the French in 1917. Her crime? espionage for the Germans. Matahari was never given a fair trial. After all, as a promiscuous woman in wartime Europe, being accused of being a traitor wasn't the easiest thing to get out of. So, let's give her one. Let's head to the courtroom now. Your Honour, gentlemen of the jury, I will now present the evidence against the defendant Matahari. Firstly, the defendant has been identified as Agent H21 in a series of intercepted German telegrams. Your Honour, I object. The telegrams identify H21 as a German agent. However, they do not identify Matahari as H21. Furthermore, the code used to send the telegrams had been cracked by the British in 1914. The Germans only realised the code had been broken in 1916 and began using a new one. However, the telegrams that were intercepted regarding H21 at the end of 1916 were written in the older compromised code. Members of the jury, was this down to incompetence or were the Germans sending false information in order to deceive French intelligence? On this basis, the H21 telegrams cannot be considered reliable evidence. If I may continue, secondly, the defendant has admitted accepting 20,000 francs from German Consul Kromer 
which I believe was an advance to spy for Germany. Gentlemen of the jury, your honour, my client Matahari was detained at Saint-Lazare prison in Paris in squalid conditions. From February the 13th to July the 24th, she was kept in nearly total isolation, only seeing two nuns, her attorney, the prison doctor and the prosecutor, Pierre Bouchardon. This treatment and the grim conditions my client was kept in were inhuman. It was whilst enduring these terrible conditions that she confessed to receiving money from the German consul. My client considered the money compensation for her furs and jewellery and not advance payment to spy for Germany. If my client had not confessed to receiving the 2,000 francs, you would not have any evidence of this. Thirdly, the defendant has received money through the Dutch consulate. Please, Your Honour, this evidence is weak. The sources from which my client received money have not been identified. Therefore, this cannot be considered evidence of espionage. During World War I, it was not uncommon for foreign nationals in France to receive money through their country's embassy. This is not a crime. Your Honour, Matahari herself admits to being an international woman. She even seems proud of it. What business did a woman who spoke five languages have travelling across Europe alone? During the time that Matahari lived, being an international woman had negative connotations. It meant being experienced and cosmopolitan, and by association, a woman of loose morals. This demonstrates your low opinion of my client, but being an international woman does not automatically make one a spy. On a final note, I would like to point out that there is no evidence to suggest that Matahari passed on any specific military details about any military operations being carried out by France. No evidence of aiding or abetting German forces and no evidence of my client being a spy found amongst her possessions. In light of a lack of evidence, I believe that my client Matahari is being used as a scapegoat for the failed Nivelle offensive by the French. In the real show trial of 1917, Matahari was sentenced to death by firing squad for her alleged crimes. Had this trial been held today, the evidence used to convict Matahari would not be sufficient for a guilty verdict. But having heard all the evidence from both sides of the case, what do you think? From a modern perspective, I think we could view this case as a blatant example of the misogyny that was prevalent during this time. So in what ways could the court use the societal bias against her? An all-male tribunal convicted Matahari in just 45 minutes, with a distinct lack of evidence against her, noting that she was the type of woman to be a spy. To me, this clearly points to a decision being made on misogynistic grounds. In addition to this, being able to speak multiple languages, having had a hugely successful career as an exotic dancer with high-flying acquaintances, Matahari was an intelligent and successful woman, and with this being unheard of for the time, I believe men would have felt intimidated and threatened by her, leading them to throw a spy story upon her. Yes, I agree. While she wasn't a feminist, her story could be considered as a feminist story, 
as it shows the exploitation of women as a minority. This societal bias can explain how she was used as a scapegoat as she was an easy target to blame for the death of thousands. Yes, that's an interesting point you make about her story being feminist. Matahari showed bravery in leaving an abusive relationship. She pursued her career over her family and she had sexual freedom, which at the time it must have been exceptionally hard to do. Even in today's society, women are shamed for this. I think in this way, her story marries with some of the principles of second wave feminism. From a historical perspective, if the story is not one of feminism, it's definitely a story of bravery and cowardice. For example, if you take the French, they chose to execute an easy scapegoat instead of admitting and addressing their own failures on the front. Whilst in Matahari's case, she had the bravery to pursue her own goals and live a life that was not typical or easy by any means. Even at her death, she showed bravery, which I think really reflects how she lived her life and fuels the intrigue we have in her today. Whatever you think of Matahari's story, it is impossible to know exactly what happened. The mystery that surrounds her is why she is now an icon in popular culture, both in the Netherlands and across the world, featuring in video games, songs and films. Although she was known best for being a spy, we can also remember her as an intelligent, strong-willed woman who was ahead of her time. This has been Emma, Lottie, John and Tamira with the story of Matahari. Matahari.